Good morning, Great Oaks. How is everybody today? Just like Jason said, my name is Whitney Clinky. I am at the town right across, I don't know, some back roads, but um, I am so happy to be here with you guys this morning. I will say we have, or we always, pray for you. We are supporting you from the town over. You guys are doing some amazing things in this community, in this town, which we love because that's kind of our mission and vision at Connect is connecting the community to Christ. And I know you guys are doing that so well. And our lead pastor, Dave Jane, has such a great relationship with your pastor, Jason. So we know that you guys are being led so, so well. Um, so a little bit about me, just like Jason said, I am the Connections Pastor uh, over at Connect Church. I've been there full-time for um, almost uh, almost six and a half years-ish, and I've done it all. I've done kids ministry, youth ministry. In the past couple years, I have been the Connections Pastor, so I do all things volunteers and groups and classes and making sure people find their place. Um, this is a picture of my family behind me. Uh, that's my husband, Jeff. We've been married for over 13 years. We are high school sweethearts, so we've been together a very long time. We have two kiddos together. Race, our oldest, she is almost 10. And Finn, our youngest, he is almost 8. And they keep us very busy with, with sports. So that's what we've been doing a lot lately. But I also want to shout out to you, Metamore. As much as this pains me to do, I want to congratulate the, the softball team of Metamora. <laughs> Okay, this is the one and only time you'll hear me say this, but we went as a family to go watch the softball team between Washington and Metamora. You guys did good. Well-deserved. They're on to the Elite Eight, I believe, so congratulations to you guys. So you guys have been in a series. Actually, last week was your first week in Jonah. And this is how Jonah 1 ended, if you were here last week. And it says this in Jonah 1:17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And this is why... I love the Bible. From the beginning in Genesis all through the Old Testament, there are shadows and glimpses of Jesus even from the very beginning. Because do you know who else spent three days and three nights somewhere? That was Jesus, and he spent three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. And I am so happy that we get to serve and worship a, a God who is alive today. So I want to start in just prayer, and then we are just going to dive in and get it started. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this community. Thank you for what Great Oaks is doing to the people um, in their town, Lord. I pray over them. I pray that you continue to show your light, your love, your grace. Um, Lord, I just pray that you speak through me today, Lord, that my word is completely yours and none of me, Lord. I pray that you give a word today, and I pray that you open hearts and open ears, and, and you have people leave better than what they were when they came in today. I give you all the glory. Thank you so much for who you are. Amen. All right. So every year, actually, no, I'm going to, I'm not going to start there yet. I want to do a, a recap real quick so we can get everybody on the same page. So last week, Jonah one went something like this. I'm going to do a little super speed here. So Jonah is a prophet to Israel and he is known as the resistant prophet. And the reason he's known as this is because God 
time and time again tries to speak to Jonah, tries to give Jonah a word, and over and over again, Jonah doesn't want to hear it. He runs from God. And um, Jonah gets this word from God, and Jonah doesn't like it. And how many of us know here this morning that we don't always get to get a word that we really enjoy from God, okay? Sometimes we get a word that we try to ignore because we don't really like it. And some of us are waiting on a word here this morning because they're waiting for something that they want to hear. So Jonah, let's see. So he gets this word from God and Jonah basically says, you know what? Forget it. I'm not listening to you. I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to go the opposite direction of what you want me to do. So he gets on this boat going in the opposite direction and um, a big storm comes. So Jonah's down underneath, under deck and he's sleeping and the sailors go and wake him up and um, they want a little, they want to know who this Jonah guy is. They're like, who are you? Why are you here? What are you doing? And Jonah's like, well, actually, I'm running away from God and they're probably thinking that would have been nice to know that you were one running away from the God of the seas before you got on our boat so Jonah's like listen if you throw me over the storm will stop but the good-hearted sailors that they are they're like no we're not gonna throw you over let's just try to get you back to shore they try to go back to shore. The storm gets worse, and they're like, forget it. We're throwing you over. You're going. So he goes in the water, and the minute he hits the water, the storm stops. And this is how it ends. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. So what I was going to say is, as a kid, growing up, we went to Gulf Shores, Alabama, every single spring break. We always went down to the Orange Beach area, and I have the best memories growing up. We went with family, we went with all my cousins, and we just had a blast. So those memories have always been so fun to me. So as my hus husband and I started having children, we wanted to make amazing memories as well. So we actually do the same thing with our family. Every single May, we go down to Gulf Shores, Alabama, and we have the best time. So we just went this year, and um, most of you guys know, if you guys go down to the south, the sun just hits different down there. Um, so I remember vividly, we were on the beach one day. It was day one, and the sun was just beating down. And I have this really strange addiction to chapstick. I have to have it in every single room, on my nightstand, in my pocket. Like, if I want chapstick, it's like an arm reach away. And I remember I was on the beach. Sun's beating down. I can't find chapstick. But in my bag, I found some, some aquaphor. Um, so moms, if you know, you know, we carry aquaphor everywhere because it is uses, you can use it for anything. So I lather on aquaphor and I just bask in the sun all day long. Time goes on, my lips start burning, burning. And I'm thinking, well, that's weird. I put aquaphor on, it should be burning. I'm getting so sunburned because the aquaphor is attracting the sun to my lips. I remember just already knowing this is not going to be good. So that night, 
I was in pain. I, I popped some ibuprofen thinking tomorrow will be better. I wake up that next morning. My lips are so swollen. It looks like I got lip injections, but not in like a cute kind of way, like a really, really scary way where the kids are like, mom, what you look pretty today. I'm like, your dad told you to say that, but it was so bad. And they hurt so bad. And as the days went on, the worse the pain was. And on the way home, I think this was day seven, my lips were so blistered. I actually have a picture. I didn't bring it here today because it's so gross, but my lips were so blistered. I was in the worst pain, all because of what happened day one. And the reason I say this is because being swallowed by the fish probably was very traumatizing. It was not fun. But here's the thing. How about the three days and the three nights after that Jonah spent in the belly of the well? That's where the real pain came in. So let's try to picture what Jonah is going through. He's in this belly of the fish, and um, it was dark. It was restricted. He, he couldn't move. It was probably super smelly. Um, but the belly of the fish, that actually represented God's discipline and God's discipleship. The belly of the fish represented God's discipline and God's discipleship. If God delivers you from something but never disciplines you, how will you ever learn? When I put the aquaphor on my lips that first day and the pain came in, I will never do that again. I know when I am in the sun or I'm the beach, I will not think, how about I put some aquifer on? I've learned my lesson. I know I'll never do it again. If God saves you, but he never disciples you, how will you ever discover your purpose? So Jonah goes into the water thinking, okay, this, this is it. This is my time. I'm sure he was scared. I'm sure he was traumatized. But here's the thing. That moment was also a moment of like surrender to him. But it was the three days and the three nights after the fish swallowed him where that's where the pain set in. And, and this is what we can learn here from God is he doesn't always get us what we want, but he gives us what we need. I'm sure a lot of us in here are parents, maybe of little kids, of grown kids, but we know this all too well, right? We know that kids want things all the time. We have been at baseball all week long, and every two seconds they want concession. I think my kids had some, like, sugar something for breakfast yesterday. But normally, we know what they need. It's not always what they want. And, and God, our Father, does the same thing. He knows what we need versus the things that we want. The Bible said the Lord provided. He, they use the word provided. God provided a huge fish. And I, and I don't want to make this mistake here. We need to know that he provided this. And it was God's provi provision, not punishment. God provided this fish for provision, not punishment. It's easy when we are in the belly of the fish to think, God's punishing me. He's mad at me. God must hate me right now. God, I'm angry. Why have you done this to me? It's easy to think that way and feel that way in the belly of the fish. But God sent the fish to protect Jonah and to mature Jonah. And this is where maturity of the Lord comes in and is when we can tell the difference between God's provision 
in God's punishment, God's provision in God's punishment. So years ago, um, it's probably been about five years now, my husband actually lost his job that he was with for like 12 years. And it was devastating to us as a family. We were mad, we were confused, we were frustrated, and, and there was so many times that we questioned God, like, God, why did you let this happen? This wasn't the plan. We were supposed to retire here, we were supposed to stay here. Why would you do this to us? Did we do something wrong? But as, as time went on, we know that hindsight is twenty twenty. we learned that God was protecting us. He wasn't punishing us. We now know that God had a door open for us, that God had better plans for us. And and we know this because we have matured in our relationship with the Lord. Jonah was in the belly of the fish, and he could have easily had a really bad attitude. But that's not what we discover here. Instead, what we discover, Jonah, and as we read chapter 2, which we will, Jonah came before the Lord, and he was broken. Jonah was broken before the Lord. God works with broken things. God works with broken things. And if you're not broken, that simply means we're going to the Lord full of ourselves. God works with broken things, depleted things, empty things. If you don't go to Jesus full of yourself, then you go to Jesus saying, listen, I've got nothing else. I've got nothing to give. I only have you. And that is when we know we can't do it in our own strength. If we look at the Bible, he uses all broken people. He has never used a perfect person. He's never used an amazing person. He uses broken people. We look at the book of Exodus and God used Moses to go get the Israelites out of captivity. And then Moses even came to, to God in the burning bush and he's like, why me? I can't do this. Why are you asking me? I've got nothing to give. But God said, listen, but I do. I'm going to be with you. You're right. It has nothing to do with you, but I'm going to be with you. He uses broken people. And then when he uses the people that are broken and empty, we can say, listen, you get all the credit and you get all the glory because it wasn't me. It was you. So I want to picture something here this morning. So luckily, like I said, I have two kids, and I'm shocked our youngest hasn't had a broken bone yet. I say yet because I know it's coming, um, but we have several friends that their kids have broken a bone. And so let's picture this real quick. Let's say one of your kids or yourself has a, a broken arm. What do you do? Well, you go to the doctor, and the doctor puts your arm in a cast. And what is the cast used for? What does the cast do? Well, it restricts mobility. It holds the bone in place so it could be mended, reshaped, and put back together. That's what the purpose of the cast is. Now, we picture Jonah in chapter 2, in the belly of the fish, the whole chapter 2. He was swallowed whole by the fish. He can't go anywhere. He's, He's restricted. He has to stay in the fish. But this moment, it's, it's mending him. It's reshaping him. God's trying to put his heart back together so he can move towards the, the man that God wants him to be. So how do you know if you're broken before God? 
We know it's good to be broken before God, but how do you know? What does that look like? What you know you're broken before God is when you can go to God and say, listen, your will, not mine. Your will, not mine. Where you can go and pray the prayer that Jesus did with all all of his humility and say, your will, not mine. Brokenness, it's necessary. It's necessary. It's important. But we need to remember here this morning, it's a season. We're not meant to stay in brokenness. It is a season. It is short term. You cannot stay. We cannot stay in the belly of the fish. We're not meant to stay there, but we are meant to go through it, to be strengthened by it, to be reshapen by it, but we can't live there forever. So Jonah in this situation, sitting in the belly of this fish, he's helpless, but I promise you, Jonah's not hopeless. He's helpless, but he's not hopeless. So what do we do when we don't know what else to do? What do we do when we don't know what else to do? Well, in a second, when we read through all of Jonah chapter two, we do what Jonah did, and that's pray. We, all we have, all we can do is pray. So let's look at Jonah's prayer here this morning and see what it sounds like. So starting in verse one, It says this, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. And this is what Jonah said. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, and seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I will shout of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And this is how Jonah chapter 2 ends. It says this in verse 10. The Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. So he started in the belly of the fish and at the end of it, he was spit out onto dry land. So I think reading this prayer, Jonah's cry to God, I think we can take three things from Jonah's prayer. The first thing is this. I think Jonah's prayer is a prayer of precision. It's a prayer of precision. It's precise. It's specific. We, we need to learn that we have such a strong weapon in prayer. And, and if we look at Jonah's prayer, it goes great lengths to describe his situation, to describe his circumstance. He even talks about the seaweed, how it was wrapped around his neck. I mean, obviously God knows that, but he's giving God all the details, There's a great quote by the amazing Martin Luther that says this, pray and let God worry. Pray and let God worry. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how we can be so specific with our worries, but so vague in our prayers? 
so specific in our worries. And some of us, we walk around dealing with some real dark stuff. And, and why aren't we offering more specific prayers? We're walking through things, but we're giving these shotgun generic prayers to God. Some of us, we've walked in here today with heavy hearts of, you know, I don't know how my, I'm going to work out my finances over this next month. My marriage is on the rocks. My kids are on the wrong path. We have some specific worries that are in our hearts that we deal with, but we're offering these shotgun prayers up to God. We come to church and, and we, and we sing and we're like, oh yes, Lord, the best is yet to come. But yet we're dealing with some really hard stuff in our hearts. So I think from, from Jonah, we can also learn because I know for me, sometimes it's hard to figure out what to say to God, how to start, where to begin. Well, look at what Jonah did. Jonah spoke God's word. If we look at several of Jonah's um, words that he says, we can cross-reference it to the Psalms and the prayers of King David, I want to give you a couple examples. So where Jonah says in, in verse, or chapter 2, verse 2, he says, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Well, let's look at Psalm 33 here, written by King David. It sounds very familiar. King David says this, You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Look at the similarities from these verses. Jonah has said these words before. Jonah knows these words. He's read these somewhere before. Let's keep going. In Jonah 2.3, it says this, You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Okay, let's cross-reference this to Psalm 42.7. King David says this, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Look at the similarity of those words. Let's do one more here this morning. So Jonah in 2.5 says this, The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. What did King David say in Psalm 69? He says this, Save me, O God. For the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters and the floods engulf me. There's more where that came from. But I think there's something to be said about this. King David, he knows God's word. God's word is written on Jonah's heart. God's word is written on Jonah's heart. And some of us have come today thinking, life's great for me. Honestly, like I'm on the mountaintop, things are going good, but here's the thing. We all will go through our moments where maybe we are at home by ourselves and we're going through some things. I pray that you have God's word written on your heart where there's going to be moments where we don't know what to say, where to start, what to do. I pray that God's word will come to your mind and you just give that to God, just like Jonah did. We have precise worries. Let's stop doing generic prayers to God. So I also think this is a prayer of passion. 
It's precise, but it's also full of passion. In verse 2, Jonah says this, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. He is crying out to the Lord. He's not holding anything back. This is giving us a picture of just Jonah's emotion that he has. And sometimes we, and I'm going to say me included, Sometimes we, myself included, we, we treat church and, and God like a separate department in our life. Okay, that's a Sunday thing, but then the rest of the week is like a me thing, my life thing. And we, we come and we, we feel like God is distant. We feel like God can't hear me. We feel like God doesn't know what I'm going through. And, and we come here and we don't want to sing out loud. Because does God really hear us? We don't want to lift our hands because what's the purpose of that? We don't want to show vulnerability. We don't want to let our walls come down. And I love, I love your value here at Great Oaks, the unassuming authenticity. I love that. You guys have created such a safe place here where you can come as you are and you can give everything to God because that's what he wants. Now, if we're thinking of a relationship here, when we know sometimes we feel like God might be distant, but this is a relationship. Someone said that at, at, at the baptism video. That was so good. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. So let's think of all of our other relationships here that we have. So like I said, when I met my husband, I was a freshman and he was a junior. I remember I would see him in the hallway and, uh, he was like older than me and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's so hot. And you know, my heart would skip a beat, but you know what it felt like when you first met your spouse, right? You had some emotion. What about for those of you who have kids and they make you angry? You show some emotion. Some of your emotion was shown in the car ride here this morning. I get it. We, we do this because it's a real relationship. I have some really close friends that I am so vulnerable with. I need that. We all need that. And I tell them everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, but I let my guard down because it's a real relationship. This thing that we have with God, it's a real relationship, just like all of our other ones that we have in life. Just as real as as we are to each other, he wants the passion. He wants the emotion. Um... Have you ever noticed when you are desperate for something, you get determined? When you're desperate for something, you get determined. Um, I drink coffee every single morning. I would not be good without it. So it's the first thing I do. I, I wake up, I go downstairs, I make my coffee. There have been times I wake up and there is no coffee in the house. When I'm desperate, I get determined. I will put on my slippers. I still have my pajamas on. I'll put big sunglasses on. I will go to the nearest gas station and drink gas station coffee just to get my coffee because I'm determined. And don't we want to be the church? And I say the church as Great Oaks, Connect, but like the church, right? Capital C. Don't we want to be the church that's desperate to hear from God? Don't we want to be a church that is desperate to feel the presence of God? But here's the thing. Let's not wait until we're in the belly of the fish to cry out to God. So lastly, as we look at Jonah's prayer, he has a prayer of posture. He has a certain posture about him. We discover in Jonah 2 that he isn't just praying for deliverance. 
He's praying a prayer of deliverance. He's praying pretty much as if God is going to get him out. And he has this posture to him of, man, I'm, I'm grateful. You are so good. I'm giving you all the gratitude I have. God, I'm not in a good situation. I'm sitting here in the belly of the fish, but you're still good. And he prays a prayer as if he already knows God's going to come and deliver him and get him out. He says this, I shout, um, I will, with shouts of grateful praise, his grateful praise, he's saying, I'm not where I want to be, but you are still good. He has this posture of a person with a grateful heart. I have um, one of my best friends about a year ago, it was in June, um, it was on a Sunday, I remember after service, she came up to me, and I knew something was wrong because she had tears in her eyes, and I knew she had something not good going on, and she said, hey, I got to talk to you, and so we were talking, and she said, we got some really bad news. My mom just found out she has an aggressive form of cancer, and they're saying that she only has months to a year to live, and um, at this time, they have had a very strange, strained relationship for many, many years, but the cool thing is, the moment she heard this diagnosis, she told her mom, listen, this stops here. I forgive you. Please forgive me. We do this relationship now going forward. And it was a year of ups and downs. She went into the emergency a lot of times. Her mom did. Um, they went to different states to try to do treatment. The cancer never went away. She knew what the outcome was. But with their relationship, it was mended. It was healed in this moment. The cancer got worse, and, and it's cool to see because they prayed so much, and in this moment, they got closer to God. And I remember, and I was in her, her house at many of these prayers, and, and we prayed together, and my friend, knowing that what was going to happen, she cried out to God, and she said, God, you are still good I know what's going to happen, and I'm going to give you specific prayers for what I want to happen, but your will, not mine, and you are a good God. And we saw amazing things happen knowing that the cancer was getting worse. We saw things get better in their relationship, but they got closer to God. This past Wednesday, we um, attended her mom's funeral. Literally, it was almost at that year mark, and we, we went to her funeral to support our friends and I'll never forget that feeling sitting at that funeral because it was so amazing to watch all these people so close to her mom just praise God. Yes, they sat in their grief. Yes, it was sad, but they praised out and they said, God, you are so good. We have so much hope within you. Your will, not ours. You are so good. And I think that reminded me a lot in Jonah's situation. He was in the belly of the whale, but he said, God, you are so good. So here's what I think we can take from Jonah this morning. And I want this to be a challenge to you guys. And, and I'm going to do this along with you because I was very convicted as I was studying for Jonah. Here's my challenge. I want our prayers to be different as we leave here. I want our prayers to be prayers of Jonah where we, we come to God and, and we are so precise in our prayers because I know we have real precise worries let's be precise in our prayers let's say listen this is what I need God this is what I'm going through I'm going to be real specific here the second thing I think we need to do as a church is we need to give God everything we got 
our passion, our emotion. This is a real relationship. This is not different than our relationships with other people in our life. This is the most realest relationship we have. He wants it all. He wants our emotion. He wants our passion. And the last thing is, I want us to change our posture when we go to God and just say, God, yeah, I'm going through some real stuff here, but you're good. And I'm grateful for what you have done and what you will done, well, what you will do. You are a good God. So I, I, I pray this is our challenge here. Um, and like I said, I'm going to be doing this with you, but I think we can learn how to change up our prayers just like Jonah did in the belly of the fish. Pray. Let's pray with me. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for just who you are and what you have done and what you will continue to do in our lives, Lord. I just pray over everybody here um, at Great Oaks, and I pray that they leave here with just changed hearts, where they want to get closer to you and in their prayer, just like Jonah did sitting in the belly of the fish, Lord. I thank you for your word, that it still is alive today, that we can learn and grow along with it, Lord. You are so good, even when things here are not, Lord. You are so good, and we love you, and we appreciate who you are and what you have done. I pray this in your holy name. Amen.